Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, director of content at Steinway & Sons and editor-in-chief of the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is Steinway artist Mahani Teave, who hails from Rapa Nui, a.k.a. Easter Island, located some 2,000 miles off the coast of Chile in the Pacific Ocean. Teave is the first professional concert pianist from Rapa Nui, and after years spent concertizing all over the world, she returned to the island and founded a music school there in 2014. Teave spoke to me from Rapa Nui, so please forgive the audio quality. You were born in Honolulu, but your father is Rapa Nui, one of very few. You grew up in Rapa Nui, became the first professional concert pianist from the island. Can you tell me about your first encounter with a piano, and was it the only piano on the island? Mm-hmm. That's quite a story. When I began, the piano was in 92, 1992, when a German violinist came to the island, fleeing from the war in Yugoslavia, and she brought her upright, a beautiful old piano. I just basically ran to her house and asked her to let me play on her piano and teach me. But I had had twice before an encounter with a piano, and that had been uh, when I was a baby at my grandfather's house. He's an amateur composer and a musician, and I don't recall that time. There's just wonderful photos of it with his beautiful Steinway. Uh, when I was seven years old, I visited him and fell in love with the instrument. And that was a, just a brief visit to the United States. And when we got back to the island, it was just like a dream-like thing. And when this teacher came to the island, I was just absolutely thrilled to be able to get the chance to study. She didn't really want to teach me at first because she wasn't there to teach. She was a retired woman and wanted her peaceful years to not involve uh, teaching. But I insisted and I asked my mom to insist and finally got a chance to to start learning with her. And that was um, a big blessing, tremendous gift. You ended up becoming the first professional pianist from Rapa Nui, and you toured the world, and then you returned home to start a music school. And I'm wondering what drew you back, apart from living in Berlin, because I live in Berlin now, so I understand wanting to leave Berlin sometimes. But I'm wondering, what was it that drew you back, Mahani? Well, I actually loved living in Berlin. I I was really quite crazy about it because there were so many musical opportunities and so many concerts and such a rich cultural life. I just enjoyed tremendously my years there. And also Berlin has a lot of nature and lakes and places where you can just really have contact, that that profound contact with nature, which I had uh, been missing in the previous years of studying. Well, um, I felt for many years, actually, that I owed something to to the island. I mean, I find that there's so many incredible musicians out there, and I felt I really could do more for the kids here by coming back. Um, That did not mean I, I intended to discard concerts. I just figured, well, we live in this modern era where we can take an airplane and be in, you know, 13 hours in, in Europe. 
from Chile, I'd have to add five more from Easter Island, so that would be like 18 hours. <laughs> but my intention had been to continue with the music and the concertizing and to be able to fund the school and in the beginning to have teachers that are, you know, experts in the beginner's level and maybe with the kids um, later when they get older, then I could actually start teaching them myself. And that's what I'm doing right now. It ended up that the project was so big and also so difficult because just to start a, a music school somewhere where there's never been anything like this done before and to get instruments here. And we had, we had eight years of free lessons for the children. So it was um, quite a challenge. It has demanded most of my time and most of the previous many years <laughs> sort of to get this project going and we've done it together with other Dapanui people because they also had gone abroad and studied and had uh, learned tools with which they wanted to help the island in different areas of their expertise. So in sustainability, conservation of patrimony, natural resources, um, the medical aspects and so on. So we really contemplated this project uh, as an integral project where we could actually help develop the island towards a, a better horizon in a way. Like we need to worry about giving the opportunities to children, which they did not have until now, to be able to develop in the classical instruments, piano, violin, cello, have their orchestra lessons, their ear training. But we also wanted to do some of our own culture rescue through the language, through the ancestral chants, through the ukulele, and at the same time be able to face the different problems that we're having on the island, which are basically environmental problems. Because as you know, we're in a tremendous climate crisis at this moment, and we wanted to propose solutions to that. So we decided to build our school with a model called Earthship Biotecture, which involves using recyclable materials. So we use six years of garbage. It has solar panels to produce natural clean energy. It has rainwater collectors and using ancient as well as modern technologies, bringing back some of the ancient ways of cultivating. For us, it's very important to think of us as integral human beings, you know. We cultivate our spiritual and emotional part through the music, intellectual as well. We are helping the society by raising this generation of clear-minded children. They're, you know, working with their instruments and at the same time conscientious of the reality we're facing as a planet. In a way, we are trying to propose solutions to it. Maybe not at such a big scale, but if we can do it here on the island, at least maybe it can inspire other places and can give hope to other places.
Mahani, are you wary of the return of cruise ships post-pandemic? Tourism is a big thing here. Tourism has maintained and maintains more than 80% of the economy on the island. And now that we have the pandemic, or that the pandemic is happening, we don't have it on the island. It's really missing, in fact. Uh, it's been missing, but it has given us an opportunity to reevaluate and see, okay, do we want the kind of tourism we were having? I mean, we were receiving more than 120,000 tourists a year. And if you consider that we're a population of 12,000 people, just imagine how much more it is. And that means waste problem. It means uh, water. We don't have enough water on this island. We don't have lakes and rivers. <laughs> so it's a big deal. The energy consumption is gigantic. So there are lots of things that we need to really think about. The pandemic has been a chance for us to go back to the earth in a way. People started planting again. I mean, the first few months when the, the planes were cut off because the mayor said, no, we will not have anybody coming and going because we're going to protect ourselves by just cutting off all flights, all touristic flights. In the economy, it just all came down and the island was not prepared food-wise to be able to supply for the people. And we still are getting planes with food but the people became aware that we need to start producing our own food, which has been a very positive element, less of a carbon footprint. And it's, it gives local people jobs. It revives other aspects of the economy, which did not exist a year ago. Basically, a year ago, everybody just waited for the tourists to come off and pay their hotel and buy their the Moai and get a tour and that was it. That was the money that was coming in to the island and then people would just buy the food that, and things that were coming from elsewhere. <laughs> so I think it's been a really good thing. The mayor did a program where he's been getting some government funding and hiring at a minimum wage about 800 people who are working in different jobs but in the municipality. So they imagine... 800 people available for ocean cleanups, seashore cleanups, planting trees, 500 vegetable gardens for the most needy people on the island, painting schools, fixing roads, helping in all kinds of different things, cultural things, doing uh, different kinds of festivals here. The mayor hired all these people and said, okay, what is your expertise? You like to cook? Okay, we'll find something for you to do related to cooking. And what do you do? I like to write. Okay, you're going to write up the story of the you know, elders of the island. And this minimum wage at least has allowed people to have something to survive with. And luckily on the island, we are blessed to have this earth that actually grows many things. If we take the time to plant the seeds and water them and take care of them, we can have our own vegetable gardens. We have the ocean where people can fish. So it's not been as terrible as it could have been somewhere else. And just the blessing of not being with the virus, I think, is worth all the sacrifices that we can all do as a community.
After all the touring you did, what do you appreciate now about your home after being all over the world? I'm living in the most amazing place you could possibly imagine. I have the most beautiful sunsets anybody could ever dream with. The moon, gigantic moon, comes out right behind my house. I'm located in a, one of the hilltops, and I have this gigantic view of the ocean and so much nature and the stars at night shining incredibly. And I have my piano there, and I can just be practicing in this incredibly inspiring atmosphere and place. I have the ocean if I want to go swim. It's a very natural life, clean air, good weather. <laughs> um, that was tough in Berlin for me, the weather, wintertime. <laughs> also seeing that the project is making such an impact in the kids is really, really gratifying. And they're so eager to learn. It gives me such joy to see how they make progress and start listening to themselves and trying to get you know different sounds out of the instrument. I feel I have to be here. You put out this year Rapa Nui Odyssey. That is works by Bach and Liszt and Handel and Scriabin, Chopin, Rachmaninoff. And then it closes with, and I hope I'm saying this right, Ihea Hotu Matu Aie. So I wonder if you could talk to me about the concept behind this album that you released. Well, the pronunciation, you got it almost right. It's Ihea Hotu Matu Aie, with an A at the end. Gotcha. I thought, well, I have uh, several pieces that I really would love to record. I profoundly love. They've accompanied me throughout many years uh, of my life and different periods. And these were pieces I actually felt I wanted to record. You know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> it's like, a, like a mix of many, many different things. But for me, they are somehow, they're connected. They, they have a line throughout, which might be just the fact that they were with me at periods in which they were together. Like they represent certain things or powerful moments. For example, Chopin for me had always been uh, very, very, very close to my heart because of his uh, nostalgic feelings towards Poland. And I had always had those nostalgic feelings towards my, my homeland, this little island here in the middle of nowhere. And, and that nostalgia had accompanied me throughout all my years of studying away from here. First in Chile, then in the United States, then in Germany. I never dreamed I could actually, or, or that I would be the one to make the music school. I always thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing that for the island to have a music school? But when it started to happen, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the moment. And I have to be there and help and push it and make it happen and make it keep rolling, you know, this magical line of, of events that were like a snowball just growing and, and expanding. And, well, that was Chopin for me. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think if you hear the CD, you will you will hear a, a bit of that nostalgia in the well, most of the dramatic compositions you can hear in Scriabin and Rachmaninoff also. And as the Baroque pieces that are there are well, the Handel Suite and the Bach Chromatic Fantasy and Fugue. They're also just um, close to me, and I. I felt I, I just wanted to record something that felt right and natural, and that was music that I deeply loved. Because I mean, I can imagine if you set your, I don't know, yourself to record an, I don't know, all Beethoven sonatas or something. I'm sure there are movements that you're maybe not so crazy about. But I really wanted to record things. I only things which I was really crazy about and really profoundly love. And at the end, the traditional song, I felt. Well, it's a song which is an ancestral chant, which is kind of the most important song of the island. It talks about the first king. He was living in a place called Hiva with his people, and they needed to find a new land because Hiva was having cataclysms. It was sinking, basically. So they all traveled towards the rising sun and arrived to Rapanui, following the dream of one of the elders. This song talks about the life of this king, basically the voyage throughout his life. He's a big inspiration here on the island and is responsible that this culture became what it, what it is or what it was. And you know, here on the island, we're the only place in the Pacific with writing, actual writing. How did that develop on this island, so small and far away from everything? been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. We heard clips from Mahani Teave's album, Rapa Nui Odyssey, on Rubicon Classics, namely the fugue from Bach's Chromatic Fantasy and Fugue in D minor, air and variations from Handel's Suite No. 5 in E, Chopin's Barcarolle in F sharp, and as our outro music, Ihe Ahotu Matua. Our intro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Question for the podcast? Message me on Facebook at Soundboard, or hit me on the gram at Soundboard Podcast. Subscribe to Soundboard on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or wherever you pod your casts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>